Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. All right, well, let's get into it today. Come on, live by faith. We are going to be looking at the, uh, the chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11, for the next five weeks, looking at... Um, Several characters. Andrew's going to take uh, two or three of our characters, and I'm going to take one as well. Then today I'm going to set you up for this series. And uh, my heart today is just to kind of give you a theological framework for why the author wrote this, uh, this chapter in the Bible. Now, just to say it now, some of you who uh, have studied the book of Hebrews, you know, the truth is, is that the author of Hebrews is, is somewhat unknown, but most theologians believe that it was Paul. So I'm just going to say Paul wrote it. So if you have a problem with that, you can take it up with the Lord. Uh, but I'm going to call it Paul. Amen. Okay. So Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And in, in Hebrews, we can see that, that, that all the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. It's written to people who were once very religious in Judaistic faith. They were religious in their walk with God, and then they met Jesus. And they were set free, as Andrew said today, they were Christians who got saved. They were people who were religious and people who were caught up in religiosity, and they, got, they encountered Christ. And the book of Hebrews is trying to remind these religious people, these followers of Jesus who've been Christians for a long time, to stay with the very simple, genuine reality of faith. Don't overcomplicate this journey. Don't overthink this thing. It's about faith in Jesus and the genuineness of our faith. And we're in a season that requires us to live by faith. Living by faith is the ability to obey God without seeing what's next. Living by faith is the hope for a future that you can't see. Living by faith is what we are called to as followers of Jesus. And the truth is, there is nothing better in this life than living by faith. And this week, we're going to look at what that looks like. We're going to define this, this idea of what, is, what does it mean to live by faith. Let's read our key text here today. We've got to read it from two different translations. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 6 says this. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Faith is the assurance about what we do not see. Now, did you understand this? Faith has no empirical data. Faith has no evidence. In fact, chapter 3 says it's by faith we believe the universe was made. Orion, prove it to me. Well, I'm sorry, but it's just faith. It was made by God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Well, I need science. I'm concerned about your religion. Your religion. Why do you... I mean, that was, was going to say a Nacho Libre reference. You know, concerned about your religion. He smashes his head in the water. I'm concerned about your religiosity. Why? I believe in science. And then he baptizes him real quick. Sorry, only a few of you watched that movie. It's okay. Faith is the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is what the people in scripture were valued for. When we look back on their lives, we say this is how they lived every day of their life. Faith being a confidence and an assurance that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what this means. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know how this works out. I don't know how this plays out. All I know is that God told me to do it. And look what it says in verse 6 that anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists 
And then he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so the author now defines what did, what did the ancients have? What was their faith? What was the belief system behind this faith? And it's very simple, very, very easy. He just must believe that God exists. And that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And another translation reads this. The, 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 the fundamental fact of existence that this trust in God, this faith. So we see firstly that faith is simply a trust in God. A belief that our God always works for our good. A belief that when God speaks a promise, he will fulfill that promise. A belief that when God uh, promises something or God speaks something or when something is in God's word, faith is a simple trust that God, you're going to figure out the details. That God, you're going to figure out what's next. My job is to step by faith. The author continues. He says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, look at this, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Well, I thought life, what makes life worth living is my career or the money that I make or my, or my retirement or the nice house I live in. I thought that what, life, what made life worth living is the experiences I have in this planet. Well, according to scripture, it says that faith is the firm foundation below everything that makes life worth living. So if I'm doing something that makes my life worth living, the underbelly is I took a step of faith for God. That every single time I take a step of faith and I live by faith for God, I know that even though I don't know how this is going to look, I know that this is the very foundation of what makes life what life should be all about. This makes life exciting. This makes life faith-filled. This makes life a journey. This makes life an adventure. Now, I know it's not comfortable. I know I don't have all the answer. I know I'm a risk management. I know I'm an engineer, black and white. Just using that as an example. I know that like, I like to calculate all my future. I know that I like to have it all figured out. I know I got the plan. I know my financial advisor says it needs to look like this. But what makes life really worth living is when you step by faith and know everything I do in my my life the foundation is a step of faith in God it makes life worth living this is what gets us out of bed not our jobs not our accomplishments we know that those things eventually fade but we want something more we want something new I want something different well try having faith in God and step out radically for the Lord the author continues he says it's our handle on what we can't see. It's my handle on the fact that I believe the Lord said that I was going to have that child. And I haven't had that child yet. It's my faith is my handle on, on the fact that, that my marriage is falling apart. But I believe that the Lord has spoke to my heart or spoke to others around me, confirming uh, things are going to be okay. Our marriage is going to be restored. It's my handle. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I don't understand it. I can't calculate it. I, 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 I can't put my rational thinking around it. But faith is my handle on the reality of what God said will come to pass. Faith is the handle on what I can't see. Our trust in God 
is our handle, is our stability, it's our help, it's our ability to balance ourselves out physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. When you don't know what's going on, you say, I know it doesn't make sense, but it's my faith in God is my handle. Trust that my God is faithful is my handle on everything that's falling apart around me. I can put my faith and trust in God. The author continues, he says that these acts of faith, in fact, it's actually supposed to say uh, um, the, the act of faith. I, I typed that in wrong. I was thinking and I point and then I typed that. I was typing in the scripture. The act of faith is what the, the, the word says. The act of faith, not the acts of faith. Not doing things, it's the act of belief, the act of faith in God. It's not the doing of faith, it's the act of believing and trusting in God. Look what it says, is what distinguished our ancestors. It set them above the crowd. The simple mustard seed act of faith, this is what made the men and women of the Old Testament stand above the rest. This is what separated them from everyone else. Abel gave a sacrifice, a sacrificial offering that was above and beyond, and he gave it as a a sacrifice to God by faith that God would accept his offering. Noah heard God's warning about the future flood that was to come, but there was no signs of flood. In fact, theologians say that they had never seen rain before because the, the, the earth was watered from within. So he, he had never understood when, when God said rain is coming, it could have sounded like foo-foo-fa. Foo-foo-fa's coming. And Noah's like, what's foo-foo-fa? What's rain? What do you mean it's going to flood? There are no signs of a flood. And you know, 120 years, this guy went out every single day building this boat, even though he was ridiculed, even though it was made fun of, even though people thought he was nuts. Noah knew in his heart that if I build this boat, and because of that, he saved his family and the entire population was destroyed. Abraham, at the age of 75, chose to leave everything that he'd ever known. He left it all behind. He left his family and he left his structure and he left everything he had and he went to a faraway land that God promised him and Abraham never ever arrived there. He lived in tents on the entire journey because he knew that this world was not his home. Heaven was his home. Sarah believed at the age of 93, she could have a child. Isaac and Jacob and Moses' parents and Moses and Rahab and Jephthah and, and Samson, all of these individuals stood out because they had a belief and a trust in God, even though nothing around them made any sense to the human world. Their trust in God was the foundation of their lives. It was what made life worth living. It was a firm grasp on what they could not see. And they believed it would come to pass. And Hebrews 11 tells us that many of them died without seeing the promise. Because they were not living for this planet, the Bible says. They were sojourners and visitors and citizens of heaven. And that this was not their home. Now, what the author wanted us to understand after saying all that, you think, oh my gosh, what is faith? Faith is simple. It's very basic, very simple. The reality is, is that the scripture teaches us that this faith, you can't, have, you can't please God without this faith. And to have faith, it just means that you believe God exists and that he rewards those. He cares enough to reward you if you look after, if you seek for him. 
That, that you believe that God exists and that you believe that God is present in your life. He's active in your life. See, but here's the problem is that many of us, we overthink this thing called, I'll call it Christianity, even though I don't really like that because ultimately we're not Christians, we're disciples. Christians is the religious term. Disciples is the biblical term. So you say, okay, as disciples, we overcomplicate it and we make it about a religious experience with God. And we go from simplicity of taking radical steps of faith to calculated choice to protect our life, which becomes a religion over a relationship. And we overcomplicate it. We overcomplicate this journey. We overcomplicate it. We get comfortable and we get settled. And we think this is how it's going to be. And I finally got it all figured out. And God says, I want you to do this. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. What the reality is, is that this is something that's permeated our walk with God. And we see in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy to encourage him about what was the purpose of, I brought you the gospel and I brought you this teaching about Jesus and the resurrection. And I want to remind you of, of what I was trying to teach you. Look what he says in 1 Timothy 1, 5 and 6. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with, and he mentions a few things, but I highlighted genuine faith. Look at this. But some people have missed the whole point. They've turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. He says, listen, like some people have completely missed the whole point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That my heart and my desire is that you would be filled. Look at it, he says, genuine faith. And he's talking not to unbelievers, but the church. Some have missed the whole point. Some have missed it. Some have missed it altogether and caught up in meaningless discussions and they overthink it and what will happen if I do this or what happens if I do that or what will happen to my job or what will happen to this relationship or what will happen to the economy or what's happening in the world or what if we don't recover or what if will happen what, ha what happens if this is the end or what if like this political party gets in and the whole world goes to hell in a handbasket like what happens what if what will happen? Meaningless discussions and meaningless considerations about things that are not in our control anyways. Talking myself out of faith steps. Talking myself out of what God has called me to do. Why? Because we're worried what will happen if I step out in faith and obey God. And Paul uses this word genuine. He says, the whole, I pray that believers will be filled with genuine faith. This word genuine is a very interesting word. It actually means sincere. Look at this, unfeigned. Look, undisguised. Here it is, without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the literal Greek definition for the word hypocrisy. Is for, as though someone were on a stage acting wearing a mask, wearing a costume, pretending to be something that they are not. So he says, I pray that the believers would have genuine faith, a faith that is not disguised, a faith that is not, yeah, I'm full of faith, but inside you're not taking steps of faith. Someone who says, I am a man of God or a woman of God. I do believe in God's word. On the outside, you look the part, but on the inside, you're not obeying God. He says, I pray that you would not miss the point. And Paul is insinuating that our faith can 
go into a disguised faith, that our faith can go into a hypocritical faith. And you need to hear me that Paul is saying this is a possibility for us as followers of Jesus. And one of the ways that we can slip into a, a disguised faith or d- disingenuine faith is when our focus and our attention are on the wrong things altogether. And the more we overcomplicate this journey of faith, we make our walk with God insincere. We make our walk with God about our rational understanding of what tomorrow will look like rather than an obedient decision to live for God today. And in fact, one of the reasons the author of Hebrews, as I mentioned, was writing this is because he wrote this to Jewish Christians who had been stuck in religion. They met Jesus. They gave their life to him. They abandoned the Judaistic thinking. They no longer followed the ways that they used to follow. And now they became followers of Christ, but they were slipping back into religious thinking. And Paul was saying, don't shrink back. Don't stop moving forward. Don't allow your religion to, 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 to grab you away from what it truly means to live a faithful life for God. He was trying to tell them, he says, I see you slipping into your old thinking. You were overcomplicating your life on this earth. You were becoming overconcerned with religious matters and no longer taking great steps of faith in your life. Ultimately, you were getting too comfortable. Ultimately, you were slipping back into safety mode rather than living acts of faith. Now, I want you to notice something. The very first word in Hebrews chapter 11 is the word in the NIV is the word now. Everyone say now. Now Now, now is a continuation word, meaning that the author is continuing a thought into chapter 11. He's not starting a new thought. You see chapters and you think, okay, it's a new thought. No, Paul is continuing from chapter 10. And he says this idea now, it's a continuation word. Let me, now I've said this, now let me say this. Now I'm going to tell you about what it looks like to live by faith. Now I'm going to tell you what it looks like to be a person of faith. Now, he goes, but, but what did he say in chapter 10? What does chapter 10 talk about? What it looks like, chapter 10 is ultimately about what it looks like to stop living by faith. And the word shrink back is used in the scripture. He's talking to really using the example all throughout the book of Hebrews about the the people of Israel. If you read the, the book of Hebrews, they're referring to the people of Israel in the desert. They're referring to the people of Israel in the desert. And what they're doing is, is they're going back, thinking about this journey of faith that the people of Israel went through on their way to the promised land, specifically referring to the first two years of the journey when they were in Kadesh Barnea. They spent two years in the, in, in the desert and God intended after two years for them to go into the promised land. You remember how this went? They sent in 12 spies, remember? And so this entire chapter, chapter 10, chapter four, chapter six are all referring to that one moment when the people of God made a decision between whether we were gonna shrink back or we were gonna step forward in faith. Well, notice in chapter 10, look what it says in, in Hebrews 10, 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what, is, what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by, by, by my righteous one, sorry, I skipped that verse. By my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. 
but to those who have faith and are saved. He's saying, listen, Christians, don't give up your confidence in God, your trust in God. I want to make you a promise. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know you're facing giants. I know that your faith is waning. I know that you are confused why it hasn't happened yet. But I want you to know that if you continue to have faith and don't shrink back, you will be richly rewarded. Don't shrink back. Verse 39, the author is saying this statement right before chapter 11. Look what he says again. But we do not belong to those, this is chapter 10, who shrink back and are destroyed, but we have faith like those in chapter 11. And as I mentioned, Kadesh Barnea, they came to the very border of the promised land and they looked at the promised land and God said, I want you to send 12 spies in. Moses sent 12 spies in and they came back. And you remember, for those of you who've been in church a long time, you know this, but for those of you who haven't maybe know the Bible very well or new to reading it, they came back. 12 spies came back. God was going to give them the land and 10 came back and said, there's no way we can do it. There are too many giants. There are too many challenges. There are too many unknown things. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how, how am I going to take this on? How am I going to start this relationship? How am I going to start this business? How am I going to start this ministry? How am I going to get past this fear? How am I going to get past this insecurity? How am I going to be able to accomplish that? There's no way the giants are doing. Yeah, I've seen the big fruit and I've seen the promised land and it's really pretty, really beautiful and the grapes are tasty and massive and I get why you'd want me to go there, but I recognize that it's just really too hard. 10 spies came back with that mindset. Yet two, Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. Do not believe the report of the enemy. Let's believe the report of the Lord. I know it's hard. Come on, let's have faith. Let's push through. Come on, let's trust in the Lord. I know it's hard. I know you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know you don't have the evidence that you're going to get pregnant. I know it doesn't make sense when you start that ministry whether anything's ever going to happen. I know you are fully aware of all the reasons why you shouldn't obey God. That's why you should obey God. Why? because you need to go take the promised land. They stood there and they begged and they implored, but what did they do? The people of Israel chose in that day. I have two choices. You can choose to shrink back or you can choose to have faith. They chose to shrink back and spent 38 years wandering in the dry wasteland of the desert. See, this is why the author wrote this scripture because he said, listen, this is our example of what it looks like to shrink back from acts of faith. You will wander. You'll wander in your faith. You'll wander in your journey with God. You'll wander with fear. You'll wander. And did you know that that entire generation did not go into the promised land? Yet Joshua and Caleb did. See, what he's saying here is he's trying to help us identify that there are two choices. We can shrink back or we can step by faith. And that's what chapter 11 is all about. What does it look like to have faith and keep our confidence? What does it look like to have faith and to keep our confidence in God? Again, here we see that the author identifies anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That word exists is the same, the same root word where we get the word Emmanuel. The word, do you guys know what the word Emmanuel means? God is with us. So anyone who comes to him must believe that God is with us. Anyone who comes to God, any person who wants to have a relationship with God must understand 
that you have to live like our God is living and active and present in your life. This idea that God is with me. They believe God is present. God is active. God is working. God is with me. I, 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 I know that it doesn't make sense, but my God is with me. Emmanuel, God with me. He exists. I believe in him. I put my faith in him. Are you here this morning? We often forget that the ancestors of our faith actually believed, listen, that God was alive. Listen, and they didn't have Jesus who had risen from the dead. They didn't have an interpersonal relationship with an intimate God like you and I do. They had a grand, a, a grand God, a God who was at times distant, a God who was only his manifest presence was located in one location. And yet still they have this sense that God is with me. Now you and I have the Holy Spirit living in us. See, to live by faith means that we have a belief that God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. God is living. God is active. God is present every single day, every single moment. God is at my side. God is in front of me. God is behind me. God is in me. God is with me. If God has asked me to do it, I'm going to be able to accomplish it. If God's asked me to go, he's going to figure out the rest. If God, I believe it because guess what? When I do this, the Bible says that there will be a reward. Look what Jeremiah says about this idea of who God is, but the Lord is the only true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. The whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. Say to those who worship other gods, your so-called gods who, who did not make the heavens and earth will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. But the Lord made the earth by his power and he preserves it by his wisdom. And with his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens. And when he speaks in, in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain and he causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsmen are disgraced by the idols they make for their carefully shaped works are a fraud and these idols have no breath and they have no power. Idols are worthless. They are ridiculous lies. On the day of reckoning, they will be destroyed. But the God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel, his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's army is his name. See, this is the God that lives within you and me. So when God speaks to your heart, and gives you faith and says, believe in this or stand for this or go for that. You have got the creator living God living within you. He's active and he's present and he's with you and he's guiding you and he's by you. But what happens is, is that many of us here today don't believe that God is actively involved in our life because sometimes we feel like God's with the, the, the well-to-do person or the rich person or that pastor or that individual. There's no way. I'm not like Jacob. I'm not like Abraham. I'm not like Sarah. I'm not like these people, these hallmarks of faith. I've made mistakes and I'm not spiritual enough and I'm not good enough. And the reality is when you and I are in the middle of life, we forget the reality that even though we're failures and we make mistakes and we fall short, God is still present with us. We can't see the big picture. 
in the mundane of our life, we can't see that God is still working even amongst your lack of faith and even amongst your doubt and even amongst your sin and even amongst your struggles and even amongst your situations. God is actively working, actively speaking, actively at your side saying, will you take a step of faith? Don't shrink back. I am with you. I want you to notice something about this idea of stepping out for God. And it says in this verse again in Hebrews, and why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists, that he's with you, and that he cares enough to respond to those who love him. Another translation says this, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This word rewards is a very interesting word. Do you know what this word means? It means to restore. The word literally means to compensate. Now, I'm not a prayer spirited gospel preacher, and you know that. So stick with me here. He says, listen, if you take an act of faith, I got you. God speaks to you to give that money. You say, oh, I'll never have this money again. Trust me, he's got you. He asks you to surrender that house. He's got you. He asks you to lay down your life. He's got you. And in fact, Jesus, all the way back in the Gospels, speaks to this very idea. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the Gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in where? He's got you. In fact... He wants to go above and beyond all that you could ask or dream or imagine. He's got you. You love your home now? Wait till what God does in your life. He's got you. You love the relationship you're in and God's telling you to give it up? Trust me. He's got you. Why? Because God rewards those who say, God, you are actively present. My, my, you are my firm foundation. I put my trust in you. God, I put my faith and my hope in you. And Jesus says here that you will receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Now keep reading. Look what it says. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. Here we go, along with persecution. I had to throw that in there. And in the age to come, eternal life. I want to end with this thought today. Continue with Jesus' words. Jesus then goes back right close to this in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus makes this statement. He says this. Don't worry about these things. What are these things? Saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? Don't worry about the things in your life that you say, okay, God, what about this? I got you. Don't worry about these things. I need you to follow me here. What you'll eat, the needs of your life, the things you need to sustain your life, the things you need to keep you satisfied, the things that you need to make you content in life. This is what the people of faith understand that when you have faith in God and you do what God asks you to do, that he provides everything that you need. Do not worry about these things. But he continues in this very same verse. Look what he says. These things dominate the thoughts of who? Who are unbelievers? People that don't have faith. The things that dominate my mind are, God, how are you going to figure this out? What about this detail? What about this financial provision? What about this healing 
What about this relationship? God, what about that? He says, those are the things that dominate people who don't have faith. The things that dominate your mind should be me and my kingdom and me taking care of you. These are the things that dominate those fear, anxiety, worry, the thoughts of people of what will happen and what was going to take place and what, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to take care of this? How are we going to pay for this? And what about that? What's going to happen next? What about my job? What about my relationship? What about the world? What about, what about, what about, what about? Oh, these are the things that dominate those who don't have faith. And Jesus continues, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. See, the step of faith God might ask you to take or living by faith, giving up things that God's asking you to give it up. You say, God, this relationship that I know is unhealthy provides a bit of joy for me. And God says, well, you think that's enough joy? Trust me, I got something else for you. But you're so worried and so fearful that's dominating your mind. Maybe it's because you need to come back. Stop shrinking back. Step forward in faith and believe that I already know exactly what you need. More than you do. You think you're so smart? ha. <laughs> I know exactly what you need. And then Jesus uses this last verse. He ends this section of scripture by repeating, I believe to be the very same thing we see in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, it's impossible to please God without faith, but anyone who has faith, this person, they must come to God and believe that God exists and that he he rewards those. He cares enough to reward you, to take care of you because you're diligently putting him first. Look what it says. He was chapter six, verse 33. I'm sorry, Matthew. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. He will give to you as well. See, you think that acts of faith or stepping out in faith or living by faith is giving things up. No, it's gaining much more. You don't see tomorrow. You don't know how it's going to work out. That's exactly the point because you've got to trust in God. How is God going to take care of me? How is God going to make this work out? How is God? How is God? How is God? Those are the thoughts that dominate minds of people who don't have faith. Let's come back to our genuine faith in God to say, Lord, I believe that you exist, that you're present in my life, that you are active in my life. God, forgive me for trying to take matters into my own hands. God, this relationship is not my God. And that job is not my God. And that boss who pays my bills is not my God. You're my God. And you're going to take care of me. And you're going to provide for me. I want to live by faith. I want to be in the hallmark of faith. I want to take steps of faith. Why? Because the reward of serving God is far greater than living by my own life. Just stand to your feet as we end our time here today. I want to pray for you. I know with all my heart that I'm speaking to somebody in the room today. (laughs) And I just feel like today that the Lord wants each of us just for a moment as we end our time to just lay down every single area of worry and anxiety about tomorrow. Maybe you're here today and you've been shrinking back and you found yourself rather comfortable and settled in your Christian faith. And God's saying, all right, now is the time I'm calling you to step out. I'm calling you to step forward. I'm calling you to do that thing that I've been putting on your heart in your life. And today's the day. Come on, would you bow your heads for a moment? Father, I just pray for every person in the room today, every follower of Jesus. Lord, you've called us, Father, to be people who are live by faith and not by sight. 
I pray for every person today, God, who's struggling in their life with taking steps of faith, acts of faith. Lord, they're struggling with answers or questions, rather, and trying to figure out what's next and calculate the future. I pray right now, Lord, that you would remove that pressure from them and know that, God, you know exactly what we need. I just pray for those who are carrying a heavy burden today those who are carrying a heavy burden of the future, struggles or sickness in their body, Lord, I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would restore and renew their faith in you.